Good morning. Uh, interesting map there, and uh, we'll discuss that uh, this morning as we continue our series called Puzzled. And uh, we are looking at this idea that life is a, a lot like a puzzle, and you slowly reveal what is becoming this beautiful picture, and that we want to look to God as he leads us in our puzzles, and it can be puzzling at times. For many of us, God's word can be puzzling, and I want to help you with some tools as you read his word and dive into his word that may help reveal some of the, the puzzle that he has for us. We started this series uh, with good soil and the idea of we have the opportunity to cultivate our soil to be good, and then we looked at weeds. Today, we're going to look at the mustard seed. And as I, maybe as you're watching that video and you're thinking about you know, this, this growth of Christianity around the world over the last 2,000 years, um, it's an interesting thing to see. Now, what I would encourage you when you look at that, obviously, not everyone in those areas would align themselves with Christianity or Islam or, or whatever was, was located on the map. And I think for me, one of the most puzzling things, one of the most puzzling things was when I got to the age where I recognized that not everyone thought like me, right? When not everyone believed the same things I believed, and that there are people all around the world that have different views of life, different views of why we're here, different views of where we're going, right? And that can be a puzzling thing. It can be a puzzling thing, especially as a young person growing up. How do I live into this? What am I to do? And so the question that I had, and maybe you have had in your life, is what impact does Jesus really make in your life? What impact has he made in the world? And what impact is, can he make in your life? I think one of the things, especially in my teenage years and early 20s, is this question, is this real? Is what we're doing right now legitimate? Is it real? Is it worth us getting up and coming together to do this? That's a big question. Is this real? What impact, what impact has Jesus made, will he make, can he make? And so I believe we're here to hear from God, not from me. I want to hear from God this morning. I want to dive into his word. And so we're going to look at this idea of what impact has Jesus made? What impact has Jesus made? And so before we go there, let, it, let us precede it with prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for right now. Thank you for oxygen. Thank you for hearts that beat. Um, thank you for gravity holding us down. Lord, I ask that your will would be done in this room, that it would reflect heaven, that your will would be revealed to us, um, that we may know it and may understand it and may live it. Lord, I pray that wherever we are, every single one of us in this room, that you would speak directly to our hearts, that we would understand it, that it would be clear. And Lord, that our investment in you this morning would pay dividends. And Lord, I pray that you would spur thoughts, spur um, passions for you and your kingdom this morning. And Lord, maybe even for the first time, reveal something new to us, a new path to begin with you. 
Lord, I pray as we talk about these things, as we think about these things, as we focus our, our attention on these things, that we would not be distracted, that, Lord, we would not be pulled away from you. But, Lord, that this path that we walk this morning, that we would be keeping our attention completely on you. Lord, thank you. Thank you that, that you speak with such um, confidence about things that are yet to come. Help us to trust you. Help us to understand that. Lord, I pray that you bless your words. Help them not to return void. Help them to be meaningful and powerful to us now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 13, uh, continuing this, this list of parables that Jesus is teaching. Remember, this is Matthew, the tax collector. He is an eyewitness. He remembers this event. He remembers this conversation, and he has written it down so that we can read about it 2,000 years later. Um, as we've been going through this study and talking about this idea of puzzles and putting puzzles together, some of you like puzzles, some of you don't like puzzles, that's okay. You don't have to like a puzzle to connect with this series. But the truth is, it can be very puzzling. I don't know if you've ever started a puzzle and you're just like, man, every piece looks the same. Where does this go? And so what my goal is uh, for today and next Sunday is to give you some tools that when you, and, and I'm encouraging you in this, take time out of your day to study God's word, to dive into it, to make a practice, a habit of your life of looking into God's word and feeding off of God's word and, and, and building your life upon what God teaches through his words, that these may be some tools to help you as you go through some of the more puzzling things of scripture. And I would encourage you in this. This is something that I wish I would have heard as a young person. It is okay to have tough questions. It is okay to come to God's word and say, this makes no sense. I think science has disproven this. I think that my mind says this can't be accurate. It is okay to come to God's word that way. I would encourage you not to avoid that. But I would also encourage you not to stop there. But to continue to dive deeper and dive deeper, trusting that the spirit of God will reveal things to you that will bring confidence and hope and peace into trusting his words. And so one of the things I've, I've purchased is a Bible where I can put notes, I can write notes in the sides of the Bible so that if I have a question, if I have a concern, if I have a thought that I, that I want to come back to later, I would encourage you, invest your life in God's word, invest your time and energy in it. Um, another helpful tool, especially for what we're going to read about today, is commentaries. With the internet, you have the availability to millions of commentaries, people that have invested their life into Hebrew and Greek to understand the background. I think it is so essential. If I'm reading something that Jesus is telling people 2,000 years ago in Israel, in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem, that, that I understand what did they hear because he was speaking to them. And a commentary gives me a good insight and as I preach and as I teach and as I study on my, in my own time, being able to look in there and see, okay, that makes more sense because of where they would have been coming from, what they would have understood. And so I would encourage you, either get a physical commentary or there are so many helpful commentaries online and I, I would be more than welcome or more than willing to help you find good commentaries as you study God's word. And then finally, cross-referencing, that if you find something that's tough in scripture, if you find something that doesn't make sense, something that seems um, out, of, out of the ordinary, cross-referencing, seeing what the ultimate theme, what is the overarching teaching of God's word 
Does it align? How does it align? How does it fit? I think these are all helpful tools as we look into God's Word. So that's what we're going to do this morning as we look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. So we're going to begin there. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in a field. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. This is the third of the parables we've been talking about. He keeps talking about the kingdom of heaven. As I was thinking about this concept, thinking about this idea, the best equivalency I can give you is that as the disciples hear this idea of kingdom of heaven, they have the idea in, in, in the sense of our modern day that Jesus is, is in a way running for president. And this is his campaign. And he's going to establish this earthly kingdom. And he's going to establish this, this powerful kingdom that's going to be over the whole earth. And they're going to be able to rule with him. And they're going to have physical uh, power within this life. And so when we read this, you have to understand his disciples are hearing This is his presidential speech. This is him preparing for leadership, a role of authority. They are hearing something very specific, but that is not what Jesus is talking about. And this is powerful. This is is overwhelming to me. When I understand that when Jesus talks, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. He is talking in a way that he says, I know exactly how the future will happen with authority. Think about that for one second. Jesus is saying, in this moment, Matthew records it, I know exactly how the future is going to be, and I am going to tell you it. That is a profound claim for anyone ever to make. So powerful. Consider this. All the disciples go back and they look at this later and they say, oh, that's what you meant. When you're talking about that, that's what you meant. We had no idea. We kept thinking you were going to build this earthly kingdom. We kept thinking you were about to take out Rome. We kept thinking this way. But in reality, you were so confident in the future that you told us it in advance. Think about that. Not only that, he says, basically 2,000 years later, we're going to talk about it. And look at it and say, how did he know? How could he have known unless it were true and real and authentic and powerful? And so he says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Now, how many of you were thinking this kind of mustard? (laughs) Right? I don't know. They came in seed form, right? (laughs) This is not accurate. You need a commentary to know that this isn't the type of mustard seed he's talking about. He wasn't talking about growing up and, man, kingdom of heaven is like a hot dog and you put mustard on it. No, it was not that at all. This mustard seed is actually, is actually distinctly grown in Israel and in that area of the world. And it is a very small seed, very simple seed. He talks about that. But it's a seed that grows into a, a, a fairly large bush. I have a picture of it here so you can see This is actually in Jerusalem. That is what the seed looks, that grows, the mustard seed grows into, is a tree that looks like that within the garden. So the importance here, as the listeners were listening to him, those people that were in the place of his teaching, they would have understood what the mustard seed was because it was a very typical seed that many of them used. Many of them were farmers or fishermen. 
they would have understood this seed. And they would have also understood what the seed grows into. As we look and see this, this giant bush <laughs> that has grown. All right, so that gives us some perspective. That gives us some background. And so here we go. Similar story, different teaching. Similar story, different teaching. The first, uh, the first parable is this parable of the seeds being dropped, and there's this unique, beautiful picture of a garden and how we can cultivate our seed. And if you remember in the story, the birds come, and they pick up the seed of the gospel so that it can't be uh, planted deep enough to, to sprout. And that represents the enemy coming in and taking away the seed, and then it falls on the rocky ground where the, the, the rocks don't allow it to grow depth, and then it grows in a place where the weeds come up and overtake it. But the fourth kind of soil is the healthy soil where it grows, and it's healthy, and it produces, right? So we have this first seed, this first story of how the seed grows, and the kingdom of heaven is like this small seed that grows up. The second parable we're told is that within the seeds, um, there's an enemy that comes in at night and plants the weeds. And so here's what Jesus has been teaching to this point, to this audience. He's saying, look, you have a lot of control over your soil, not over your fruit. You have a lot of control over what you let into your soil, what you allow to nurture your soil, what you use to grow, what's within you. You have some authority over that. And don't be surprised in your life if you begin to grow and you look around you and you see weeds. Because I'm telling you that's going to happen. I'm telling you in advance. Don't be surprised when you're disappointed in the church. Don't be surprised when you're disappointed by people who claim to be followers of Christ. Don't be surprised when you disappoint yourself. Because there will be weeds. It is the reality that, that we all live in. And, and now he goes into this, this teaching of the mustard seed. And he, he, he breaks it down to us what it is. 32. Though it is the smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. Now, how many of you are botanists? Any botanists in here? All right? If there was a botanist in here, he'd be like, well, Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about because it is not the smallest of seeds. But this is why it's so important to understand the context, to understand who Jesus' audience was. Because he's not saying in the whole, in the whole world, this is the smallest seed. Actually, in the Hebrew and Greek, it's the simplest seed is what's a better translation. It is the seed that is the most common. It is the seed that everyone would know about. It is the seed that no one is impressed by. It is a small black seed that if it was in front of you right now, you probably wouldn't even notice it. It is a simple seed. It is an unimpressive seed. Yet over time, what happens to that seed? Something amazing within that seed spurts and grows up and down and produces one of the largest garden plants. Almost to the point of being a tree. He who has ears, let him hear. What is Jesus teaching? You know, what's unique is the first two parables Jesus explains to us, he does not explain this one to us. So what does it mean? What does it mean that there's a simple seed that grows into a giant bush? Well, I think the good, and there is good in this, the good is that 
as we look at Jesus' ministry and as Jesus went on and shared the gospel with the world, what has happened? His message has transformed the whole world. That it has grown and it is beyond anything. that he, Any of those 11 scared men that ran away when he was on the cross could have imagined what, that 2,000 years later, people would be gathering in buildings and homes and talking about that event because it has grown and it has grown large. And its impact, its reach has impacted the whole world, right? And so there's this beautiful thing that something simple, the gospel, something small, a small place like Israel, a small person in that time, no one knew about him. He was from, you know, the, the most unlikely of background who claimed to be the Messiah would impact the world in the way he did, the most simplest of things. We're also told as a cross-reference in um, 1 Corinthians one twenty seven. It says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He takes weak things. He takes weak vessels. He takes those that may not look like on the outside something that would make a major impact. And he uses them in powerful, amazing ways and grows and grows and grows. If we knew the history of the church, we would know of of widows that have done so much for the name of Christ and that we're here today because of men and women who committed themselves to this message of the gospel. It has grown and it has grown. And the truth is also not only in the the big sense of the idea that that this this seed has grown into this amazingly wonderful church that, that, that is wrapping around the whole world, this seed is planted within our lives. You remember that question I had, how much, how much impact does this make in my life? I can tell you in my own life that as the seed has grown in my own heart and it has, it has flourished and it has branched out into all the areas of my life as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, as a citizen, all these areas are affected by this seed that has grown with inside of me. And it is not me, but that is within me. This is worthy. It has grown, and it can grow in you. It can grow in every person that desires it. And so it grows, this seed, the seed that seems so simple. How could it be that simple that I just trust in Jesus? How could it be that simple that I just believe in Jesus, that I confess my need for him? How could it be that simple? And yet in that simple act, this powerful thing happens within us, within the world. But it's interesting, he goes on to say, (laughs) so that the birds come and perch in its branches. So that the birds come and perch within its branches. Now there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of debate about what this means. There's two opinions here. One, the birds are those who benefit, and the world has benefited. The Red Cross, different organizations, uh, we, have a, we have a group we work with called Feed My Starving Children. There are many people all over the world that benefit from those who claim Christ as their Lord. The world has benefited, and so the birds have benefited from this beautiful tree that has grown. But there's also those who, who read this and, and believe that this could also be those same birds that snatch up the seed, 
the same birds that snatch up the seed. And if you look at the history of the church, I don't know if you're watching the video as it expanded, some of that expansion wasn't in a healthy way. The church, the history of the church isn't perfect. There's a lot of things that the church has done that those claiming Christ have done that Jesus would not have done. And so within this beautiful tree, think about this. How many different types of churches are meeting today? Methodist, Catholic, uh, Presbyterian. How many different branches have grown? And within those branches, division and anger and hostility. How many reports do we hear of unethical acts done within the church? How many times do you hear of the misuse of money, the misuse of power, the misuse of people within the church? Because as it grows big and as it grows large, perhaps it opens itself up for the bird to nest within it. And perhaps the bird is there to destroy and not to bring health and growth. If you look at the history of the church in 400 AD when Constantine made church and state one, there was a lot of bad that came with that. There was a lot of trouble that came with that. And so today we see something that Jesus said with such confidence. Think about, he is telling something before he's gone to the cross. He's talking to his disciples and to this group of people. Before these things have transpired, he is saying with absolute authority, this seed that is, uh, that is simple will grow into this kingdom that will be large, so large that, that the, the birds will come and nest in it. In my own heart, in my own life, that seed that grows, wow. Does it not also grow within me pride, a judgmental heart, a critical spirit, a sense of I'm better because of? Does that not also reveal itself through that seed that has grown in, in this beautiful way within my heart and my life? Are there not new challenges that arise because of my following of Christ that I would not have had without the seed growing within my life? And so Jesus says this. He says, don't be surprised. This is reality. But it's a beautiful thing because he is the one. He is the vine. We are the branches. We are connected to him. And though there are areas in our lives that we need to prune, he allows that to happen so that we can grow if we desire. And so this morning, this is the question. Have you trusted him in that level? Is the seed implanted in your heart that it is growing and that you, you see this unlimited future? I think for myself, when I was a teenager and young 20s, here's what I realized. Here's what I realized. And I'm sure most of you have realized this too. There's no amount of money, there's no amount of stuff, there's no position on this planet, there is nothing that the world has to offer that will ultimately fulfill my life. Nothing. Yes, they claim it, but none of it does it. But Jesus says this seed will grow and there is no limit to it. 
There's no limit to how deep I can know Christ. There is no limit to how much I can love and grow in my knowledge and my understanding. There is no limit to the justice that God can place in my life and in my heart. There is no limit to the mercy that he can reveal to me that I can reveal to others. There is no limit to the fulfillment that God gives when you pursue him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. When you recognize that there is a seed that is planted within you that will grow forever, eternally. That there is no ceiling. Is that recognition, have, have you made that recognition in your life? Are you still trying to grow a seed that will wither and die? E... <laughs> He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It'll grow so large that birds will nest in it. What is he saying to you this morning? How is he communicating with you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your words. Thank you that you spoke with such confidence and you spoke of the future and you spoke of our lives and you knew specifically where we would be, who we would be, where we would be going. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, challenge us and grow us. Help us to know you better. Help us to trust you more. And Lord, if we don't know you, if we haven't received the seed of salvation, the, the, the truth of your gospel, if we have not repented and received you, Help us, Lord, today to make that decision. And if we have, Lord, help us to cultivate a soil that allows more growth, a growth that's unending. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.